Welcome to Healthy Brain, Happy Body, a podcast from the Northeast Region Biofeedback Society. I'm your host, Dr. Saul Rosenthal. In this podcast, we explore the ever-fascinating connections between brain, body, health, and happiness. In this episode, our guide is Shari Johansson, a licensed professional counselor and director of Gray Matters Neurofeedback. Shari is board certified in neurofeedback and QEEG and has been in practice for over 25 years. She'll be presenting a workshop for NRBS about using neurofeedback and biofeedback to help people with long COVID. These are people that may be experiencing a wide range of health issues months after they are clear of the virus. It might include respiratory difficulties, mental health problems, fatigue, or cognitive struggles. Estimates vary a lot, but somewhere between 20% and more than half of people who get COVID continue to have symptoms months or years later. I talked with Sherry about how she got interested in this issue and what she's finding with her patients who are struggling with long COVID symptoms. Shari, welcome to Healthy Brain, Happy Body. Uh, thanks so much for joining us here. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. So you're one of, of the few people who are dealing with long COVID. I was wondering if you would start by just telling us, how did you get interested in this topic and in this issue? So early on in COVID, um, I had, well, in fact, I'm going to do a case presentation um, in the talk. Um, but, you know, in 2020, I had somebody that um, got COVID early, the alpha variant, and she came to me in the spring of 21, having been literally disabled, like can't go to work. She was a high performer. She had to move back in with her parents so that they could take care of her. And so that was my first exposure to, she had done, you know, eight months of trying to find alternative therapies, going to her doctor, seeking help. They dismissed her. They said it was all in her head, you know? Um, and so she came to us and I took the EEG because that's what I know to do. And the EEG revealed a lot of the symptoms she was having. So I went out on a limb and said, Hey, since I see it in the EEG, I think we can help you. And, and along the way, I, um, was able to work with her functional doctor. I now have one in my practice, Dr. Michael Pierce, but you know, I was able to work with hers and we kind of worked from, from resourcing the brain and changing the uh, inflammatory and ischemic issues that had happened because of her COVID infection that now of course was not um, active, even though they say that you can find spoke spike proteins and the monocytes for at least 15 months after original infection. We didn't know this two years ago, but we could see the damage that was happening neurologically. And we were able to address that and then just, you know, resource her for brain growth is really what we did. And we, you know, we were hugely successful. So a lot of my clients were coming in, um, you know, maybe they had a TBI, maybe they had something else going on, but they began to, I, I began to just ask, you know, did you have COVID? Um, and we have found that, you know, in the last couple of years, about 25% of our clients um, are having long COVID symptoms. Sometimes they don't necessarily 
attach their cognitive decline or their fatigue to long COVID because they've never heard of long COVID and their doctor has said, there's nothing wrong with you, but they're seeking something for their brain because they're not the same as they were. And, you know, I do find that if they have underlying issues, then they're probably more likely to have brain fog and those type symptoms. I'm also finding with with my clients, uh, they're coming in with these symptoms. They're not sure what it is, but it's 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 long COVID, and it's really only until recently that the sort of more mainstream, I suppose, of medical establishment is 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 even recognizing it. And there are now some long COVID medical clinics. But I, I'm wondering what what are some of the symptoms that you're seeing with folks who have long COVID? Fatigue, mm-hmm. which you know, you can, if, if the brain has low power and the brain has all these slow waves, of course, they're going to experience fatigue, especially on mental exertion, but that's true for physical exertion as well. So that's one of the main things people come in with, but the reason they come to neurofeedback is because their uh, cognitive abilities, they notice a, a decrease in sharpness. They notice a decrease in ability to sustain attention or ability to read. Mm-hmm. You know, they get really tired. You know, a lot of people have short-term memory issues that they just didn't have before COVID. They have word finding difficulties that they did not have before. So I would say that, you know, the fatigue and the brain fog, cognitive disabilities um, is why people seek us out over their chiropractic or their naturopath, but we work well together. And, and you'd, you'd mentioned there are some findings showing uh, some of the signs of the virus even months and months after the uh, the infection. What's going on here? I mean, kind of physiologically, what what's causing these symptoms? So the spike protein. Um, you know, can enter through the olfactory, you know, up the nose, through the nasal passages and the endothelium, or it can pass the blood brain barrier. And so when, you know, when we get COVID, we're going to experience what our immune system normally does, which is the receptors will mimic the spike protein to put our immune system on high alert and produce an inflammatory response, which is normal. The problem is that the spike protein binds to different receptors and can infect astrocytes, mast cells, microglia, parasites, all the ones that are in our brain. And so if it can do that in the brain, it can do that in the heart. It can do that in every organ. It can do that in the endothelial tissue. So that's why now again, medical is starting to see spike protein, usually from autopsy in different tissues. But the latest one that you were just referring to, um, these are people who have survived COVID and have long COVID. And in the monocytes, we're finding spike protein all over for at least 15 months. It We may find out that it lasts even longer, but that's the, the study that's being done right now is, you know, they're finding it in a number of people, 15 months that are alive and survived um, 15 months after their initial infection. So, you know, so what happens in an inflammatory response when we have a foreign invader is the immune system, you know, will kick in some inflammatory response to try to kill the in 
Vader. But whether it's from the spike protein from an mRNA vaccine or from the infection, if our immune system overreacts and builds too many replications, then we get overwhelmed. Um, you know, one doctor, and she is an MD who does have a clinic for COVID in the UK, you know, she she said, you know, you get, I think it's 13 million spike protein if you're exposed normally from somebody that has COVID sneezing in your presence or whatever. Um, from the vaccine, your the receptors, the AB1 receptors will mimic and make trillions of spike protein. So that's why we are seeing adverse reactions to the vaccine and long COVID from the vaccine on occasion. Because if your immune system over responds, you're going to have the same cytokine storm that uh, causes inflammation throughout the body, but also the brain. And so, um, you know, that's why we're seeing uh, myocarditis. Um, we're seeing uh, infertility issues. You know, there's, because it impairs the immune system, cancers are up you know, a hundred percent, something crazy. Um, and it's all spike protein related affecting our immune system. So the proteins enter the brain, maybe through the olfactory nerve and cause it within the brain, uh, at least the things that we're dealing with in the brain, um, uh, an inflammation, an inflammatory response of some sort. Mm -hmm. Um, are, are, do you, uh, when you uh, evaluate, do you, are you using, you're using Q, QEGs. Yes. Are you finding any kind of patterns on the cues? Yes. So if it's, if they're still having an acute inflammatory response, we're going to find um, spindling excessive beta. So SEBs are going to be there. Um, you know, if they're over that initial phase or if their immune system have has taken care of that and it's not continuing, um, we will see maybe vascular ischemic issues coming up, you know, in the parietal area towards the temporal, maybe temporal alpha, um, sometimes a slowing of the peak alpha frequency if they had hypoxia, um, you know, and, and that's common in COVID because it's a respiratory infection. So, you know, we'll also see just slowing kind of generalized with hypoxia. But those are the, the ones that I would say that are the most common is, you know, temporal alpha and spindling excess of beta. But, but if there's been pneumonia and breathing difficulties, if they've been on oxygen, you will also see slowing that's kind of generalized. Right. And that's, that's from the, the hypoxia. So the reduction, mm -hmm. reduced oxygen. And you're seeing, you said that vascular ischemia, so the ischemia is a reduced uh, nutrition and oxygen flow, which is making, making it problematic for the brain to function since it needs those things. Right. You know, inflammation in the heart or inflammation in the endothelium, then we're going to have restricted blood flow. And that sounds a lot like what you would see in a, uh, a concussion or a mild TBI, where you have that ischemia and you also have similar similar uh, symptoms of brain fog and fatigue and, th and things like that. So it, it, is it, at least from our perspective or a functional perspective, is this similar to a concussion or a minor uh, TBI? I, I would, 
I would say, yes, you know, the brain doesn't differentiate whether um, trauma is viral or bacterial or emotional or physical. Mm -hmm. You know, it will um, it will respond by, you know, having these you know slowings. So, yeah, I would say, you know, we know that hypoxia is a brain injury. So I, I say that, well, if it's an ischemic result, that's, that's still an injury or an insult, you know, is probably how we would differentiate that is I would just call COVID an insult to the brain. And so once the cue is done and, and you're, you're training, what's, what are you finding is helpful in terms of uh, neurofeedback or other types of intervention? Well, I'll, I'll go over this in detail. Um, you know, in the talk, but, you know, we know that neuromodulation, and it comes in different forms, um, can decrease inflammation. So whether we're using cranial stimulation or whether we're, um, there's a profusion chart, you know, if you've got alpha, you have less profusion, you have a deficit of blood, you know, blood profusion. So if we stimulate 13 to 15 hertz, for example, we're giving a gentle, and we do this with TBI all the time. We're giving a gentle, gentle positive perfusion of blood and oxygen. So, you know, we're we're increasing the blood flow and we're resourcing the brain to to kind of turn back on. So, you know, that's hugely helpful. We know that um, you know micro stimulation to the brain reduces inflammatory issues. Um, we know that we can stop, you know, we can decrease, we can train the brain, whether it's through stimulation, light therapy, or traditional amplitude neurofeedback training, we can reduce beta spindles. You know, one of the problems that these folks have too, is their sleep is often very disrupted. So, you know, so if we see that in the EEG, we know what to do about that, just like we do with TBI or anybody else that's, you know, has over arousal or insomnia issues. So, you know, in some ways it looks different, um, than, than your average ADHD, but, um, or, and you know, TBIs are going to look different depending on where the injury is. Um, I would say that, you know, COVID has some different looks, um, but, but you're going to see those type things. And so we would treat it just like, you know, we would, if we saw spindling excess of beta, you know, in somebody who didn't have COVID or excess, you know, um, alpha or slowing, we would treat that the same. Um, the things that we do here in our office that are different, and again, it started with TBI, is we recommend, you know, HBOT therapy, hyperbaric oxygen. Um, that's very expensive uh, here in the Denver area. So we use oxygen concentrators. Um, and that seems to be really helpful. So if we increase that perfusion um, too rapidly, you know, just like with TBI, you can give somebody a headache, but we found that, you know, if we take our time, take some breaks, give some oxygen therapy, we don't get the headache. Mm -hmm. um, so that's helpful. Um, we use red light therapy, V lights um, to help with that as well. So, you know, that's uh, HRV helps with the, um, with the sleep and anxiety. You know, another thing that people don't, think about, but if you do neurofeedback and biofeedback, you know, the dysautonomia associated with long COVID 
is also a huge percentage. You know, people that have tachycardia are, you know, they stand up and they feel faint. And um, well, you know, we can use Vegas stem, um, whether that's, you know, through a home device or, you know, through a stimulation that we do in the office, a neuromodulation, you know, DC stem, uh, whatever kind of stem we have available, you know, we can stimulate that vagus nerve and help it regulate. Um, you know, that was one of the things that we've done with many of our clients, especially our female COVID clients is, you know, help them with POTS, postural orthostatic tachycardia and the dysautonomia that is one of the results of, of having long COVID. So, you know, people don't, often think that neurofeedback is going to help with that, but of course it does. You know, we're always dealing with the sympathetic and, and parasympathetic and trying to get those into homeostasis. So that's another reason why we are positioned to help these folks more than their chiropractor and more than their regular um, MD. Right, because biofeedback and neurofeedback are working to retrain and, and better regulate autonomic nervous system, but also central are you enjoying this podcast? Find out more about this episode's guest at their NRBS webinar. We have both free and very inexpensive continuing education webinars. So whatever level of interest you have in biofeedback, neurofeedback, and neuromodulation, you'll find plenty to choose from at NRBS. Follow the links in the show notes. We hope to see you at an upcoming program. So I just want to go through a little bit of, of, of the interventions you were talking about just to get a little bit more about them. Uh, you, you'd said that uh, you often will do some stimulation of 13 to 15 hertz, so that's sort of low beta. What uh, device are you using or where are you stimulating any, in any particular so, area? Um, so I use Neurofield, but there are all types of um, you know, stimulation devices. I also, um, a, a home unit, I use mind alive, um, products and they have, uh, direct current stimulation that can be placed, you know, e either at the tragus on the ears or directly over the carotid where the vagus nerve comes in. So, um, I've used both of those with success. I also have something called a Hulist, which is a vagus nerve stimulator. Um, you know, all of those are really helpful and some of those are really, really affordable for home use. Um, so when people come in with dysautonomia or POTS, you know, we're using that, um, you know, either they can come in and use it in office five days a week, or I get them something to use at home because that's, it's very uh, difficult to function and go to work if you, if you have POTS. And so that's something we want to do daily to get them back, um, you know, able to get up and get around and do what they need to do. Um, so, you know, those are examples, but yes, it, I can train um, the 15, the 12 to 15 Hertz with amplitude training, um, or I can stimulate that. Mm -hmm. So the, the, yeah, there's just so many different approaches. There's the DC, the direct current, there's the um, uh, alternating current. Uh, you'd mentioned the, the, the Violite, which I believe is a LED red light um, mm -hmm. up the olfactory. Mm -hmm. it, it stimulates the olfactory? Well, it, yeah, it penetrates the skull oh, okay. and, and, and it, okay. you know, um, we don't use that as much post COVID, even though, you know, and it's a, it's a public perception. If you go to the doctor, um, they're going to 
place a, a plastic sleeve over the thermometer to take your temperature and then they throw away the plastic sleeve. Well, we bought those same plastic sleeves um, and we use them with our intranasal light, but a lot of people are just, they just won't do it. And, and that's fine. We're, we're still having success with the people who are just using it on the head. Okay. And again, it increases um, blood flow, oxygen, ATP. Yeah. Well, I think the, the more we talk about different types of neuromodulation, I think that that's really helpful. Uh, and you'd also mentioned HRV, heart rate variability. That's, that's a more indirect form of neuromodulation, although it does have an impact. Uh, can you talk a little bit about what, uh, what you're using HRV, what your heart rate variability training for with this, this population? Sure. So if they have tachycardia, bradycardia, um, being able, and this is another thing I teach in office one time, and then I give them an app on their phone so that they can do it daily. Um, and that regulation, you know, a lot of these folks will come in either under aroused or over aroused and HRV just helps balance that. And it's something they can easily do at home. It, you know, the app that I use costs four ninety nine, right? I mean, it's, you know, five bucks. So again, I'm trying to use things that um, are helping people that are accessible to them, that they can do it. They don't have to come to my office, you know, every day, um, you know, to, to get help, especially with the dysautonomia. You know, but we also work with functional doctors. It's, um, I have a minor in, in nutrition, so I can talk a little bit about supplements and things that are helpful, but I... You know, I have a, a chiropractic who specializes in metabolism here in the office. And so, you know, we're able, paired with him, to really get specific with people on, you know, if your spike protein caused an endothelium problem, then here are the things that we want you to do for that. You know, here are the supplements, you know, different things that um, we want to increase blood flow and heal the ruptured endothelium. Um, which, uh, again, if that's the problem that, you know, that has effects all over the body, but especially, you know, lung, heart tissue, um, vascular system. So we get specific, you know, based on our questionnaires and some of the tests that we do in the EEG of, you know, where, where did your body take the greatest hit uh, from the spike protein? And, and that's a little bit different with with everybody that comes in with long COVID symptoms. Um, some people hardly had any respiratory issues. Um, and so we would be doing things that increase um, blood flow to the brain. We would do, be doing anti-inflammatories. We'd be doing a high omega-3 protocol, um, you know, to help uh, stop the inflammatory problem in the brain. So, you know, that's pretty individual, um, but I will, you know, I will give people kind of our favorite list of, you know, here are the things that are supplement over the counter, as well as my two favorite prescriptions that are helpful um, for especially the cognitive part of long COVID. I think one of the things I'm taking from this conversation, and I hope our, our listeners are also taking, is this is... A complicated issue. And it seems like, at least at this point, best practice is really trying to get at it from different directions, whether it is 
neurofeedback training or stimulation, you know, neuromodulation or heart rate variability or supplements uh, as well. And it just seems so important to have access to the different experts and professionals. When I think about the work that I do, I'm, I'm, I'm a psychologist. I'm, you know, neurofeedback and biofeedback training. I know that nutrition is important, but I'm not a nutritionist. I partner up with with other nutrition nutritionists, not not necessarily in my office, or send people to people to professionals who I know are functional docs or nutritionists or chiropractors. Um, it's just so important to just take this multi-faceted approach to this kind of issue. Absolutely, um, but again, there's so much that we can do that your chiropractor, you know, or your um, naturopath may not be able to do because supplements are hugely important, but they may or may not be able to turn the brain back on from, from a COVID pattern. Right. I know we talk about training, we're not doing treatment, but one thing that people don't think about is really neurofeedback is functional medicine for the brain. We're getting to the root cause of their symptoms. And so it's this huge piece of COVID recovery. Just like, I mean, you can go to the best uh, brain injury specialist, and I've had people do this, um, you know, where they, they're spending, you know, $10,000 for a week, $20,000, $30,000 for a week, and they get vision training, they get, you know, some balance training, they get some things, and then they come to us for neurofeedback at a fraction of the cost, and they're able to start remembering again right. <laughs> or, you know, are sleeping again or whatever. And so I just think we're underutilized in many areas, but especially long COVID, you know, they're just, like you said, I would say in the last eight months, uh, MDs are popping up with clinics. Functional medicine doctors are kind of heading this up. Um, but, you know, but we've been, we've been kind of on the front lines for two years. Mm -hmm. And, and so my, passion here is to let everybody who does biofeedback and neurofeedback know that you hold a key piece to these folks recovery that nobody else can do for them. And yes, we draw in, you know, lots of my clients already work with a naturopath or a functional medicine doctor. Um, and oftentimes those people love to talk to me and I'll say, Hey, you know, th this is not my area of expertise, but you know, here are some things that have worked for my past clients that have similar uh, presentations to your client. And this is what we're doing in neurofeedback. And this is what I would like you to work with the client on. And they're, they're just, they're also having great success. So, you know, that um, partnering up is very valuable for the client. Well, when you, when you are working with these, these uh, patients who have long COVID, are, are you finding that they their response is any different than, say, folks with anxiety or ADHD in terms of how long it's taking or how intense the training can be? Well, I would say that they're more complicated. Some TBIs can be incredibly complicated. You know, some are fairly straightforward. But I would say all of my COVID clients are incredibly complicated. Um, they typically have slow and fast wave together. Um, they typically have a lot of physiologic complaints, um, you know, and TBI clients do too. Um, but 
they, you know, TBI clients don't often have gastro, well, sometimes they do, gastrointestinal distress and IBS. And, you know, my COVID clients will have all of that. They'll, they'll have gastrointestinal distress. They'll have um, neuropathy or, or neurologic pain. They'll have the dysautonomia. You know, they've, they've, they're so complex in their presentation. And, and even though we're not functional doctors, um, there's so much that we can do to help with all of their presenting problems. I don't work on the pancreas or, or, you know, or any of those things, but, you know, I know that if I can reduce cortisol, you know, a lot of people have blood sugar problems after when they have long COVID. I know if I can help the cortisol reduce, I can help their blood sugar reduce. So, you know, we're, we have that integral part that I think is unique and that is necessary for, anyone that suffers long COVID that has brain fog or cognitive um, disabilities because of long COVID, which is 80% of long COVID sufferers. That's their number one complaint. So, you know, here we are, 80% of long COVID need neurofeedback interventions. And the success is, is really high. I mean, I don't know that it's been sort of documented yet, but in the work that I'm doing and in, in, it sounds like the work you're doing and the other colleagues uh, that I've spoken with, th- this is a condition that really does improve with neurofeedback. Absolutely. And, you know, and I've had referrals from National Jewish and Mayo Clinic and they've done all they can do. And then the clients are coming here and again, kind of getting their life back, being able to go back to work, being able to Join back. I've had people that have had to drop out of their master's program. These are 25 year old folks who all of a sudden are not functional and they've not been functional for 18 months or two years or whatever it's been. And then within, you know, a a few months, they're like, I've got, you know, I, I can do this now. So it's hugely rewarding. And yes, I would say it, it responds just as well as anything else and maybe even better because you know, some patterns that we're trying to change have been lifelong or 20 years long or 30. And, and these patterns have been shorter. Um, Still two years is a long time, but it's not as entrenched. So, you know, if we give the brain the resources and the right information, it begins to heal. You know, and the other thing that we started off talking about is, you know, how many of these folks really have been dismissed by the Western medical mainstream and kind of have given up hope before they hear about neurofeedback. And I can say we're, you know, there are other alternative therapies that have been helpful, um, like acupuncture and those things. But I don't know of of any single alternative therapy that's been as helpful to these folks as neurofeedback. And I think the hundred or so clients that I've had would say that. Um, They have said that. And so, you know, I, that's, that's my call out to our community is, you know, we have the ability to see this, to validate it for them, that this is, this is not psychological, it is physiologic and that, that it can be changed. I like to end these conversations with some one thing questions, if that's okay. What is one thing you want our listeners to take away from this discussion? 
Well, I think the number one thing is neurofeedback, biofeedback are probably the most helpful interventions for long COVID sufferers. That would be probably my number one message and that there is hope. Well, that's, that's good for, for those of us who are providers and hopefully for the, those out there listening who are looking for, for answers. And I guess a, a follow-up question to that is what, what is, aside from biofeedback and neurofeedback, what is one thing that people who are suffering with long COVID can do to help themselves? There are things that we can do behaviorally um, and on our phones um, with apps that help us get out of over arousal. There are nutritional things that we can do to, you know, do an anti-inflammatory diet. Those things can be hugely helpful and you can research that on your own. You know, like there are all kinds of anti-inflammatory diets, you know, kind of a, a high fat ketogenic paleo, staying away from sugars and packaged foods. One of the big ones is the Mediterranean diet. So there are dietary things that you can do that help reduce inflammation because uh, COVID causes the cytokine storm, the inflammatory response throughout the entire body. And if we can help cut that down, we reduce joint pain and you know, all those things that come from long COVID. So those are things that people can do on their own. People can do HRV breathing. People can do meditation. People can do things that keep them out of sympathetic over arousal. So that's where I would start. But if you've got cognitive function problems that don't resolve once you um, do anti-inflammatory diet and, and get your sleep corrected, I would say that would be another thing that people need to work on is get that sleep corrected because you're not going to get out of the cortisol overproduction if you're not getting restful sleep. So that's where I would start people. And then if possible, yeah, you reach out to somebody in our field uh, for help, you know, and give these people hope. Right. I think that's that's a big thing that we we do uh, or try to anyway. Shari, thank you so much for joining us here. If if our listeners want to learn more about you and your practice, where where can they find out? So they can go to our website. It's gray matters, gray with a E, graymattersneurofeedback.com. And there's some information on my website, you know, and we're going to have this talk and some other things up on uh, YouTube about COVID. You can find out a lot on YouTube if you want to research other COVID intervention, long COVID interventions. So yeah, they can start with me, but they can also, you know, find it on YouTube. Terrific. And, and we'll, we'll link to your website in the show notes. So thank you again for joining us. And I'm really looking forward to your talk. Thank you so much, Saul. It was a pleasure to meet you. You've been listening to Healthy Brain, Happy Body a production of the Northeast Region Biofeedback Society. Go to nrbs.org to find out more about the organization, including our trainings, monthly webinars, and yearly conference. Our guest today was Sherry Johansson, licensed professional counselor, board certified in neurofeedback and QEEG, and director of Gray Matters Neurofeedback. If you want to hear more from Sherry or any of our presenters, join us for our webinars or view the recordings. Follow the links in the show notes. Subscribe to this podcast by clicking the subscribe here link or wherever you get your podcasts. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe.
rate us and leave reviews at Apple Podcast or wherever you listen. Reviews help us get more listeners, and that's more people who can learn about and benefit from biofeedback and neural feedback. Also, let us know what you think by sending us email. Our address is healthybrain at nrbs.org. Healthy Brain, Happy Body is produced and edited by me. The theme music is Catch It by Coma Media. Be sure to join us on our next episode as we continue to explore the keys to our well-being on Healthy Brain, Happy Body.